So I accidentally uploaded it because I was just trying to save it so I could upload it to Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I uploaded it by accident and it got 1.7 million views. No. The effort versus the reward is yeah. not worth it. Yeah. I've shared a lot about how my life is as an amputee yeah. and I feel like since I've grown, I want my audience to grow with me. Yeah. So I'm not just doing content about that anymore and I'm doing things that I'm passionate about. Millie Pickles, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for so coming. Much. So I've got written down, athlete, social media creator, presenter, mindset coach, <laughs> influencer, all of the above. Yeah, and training to be a PT. <laughs> training to, oh, you are doing that now. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. How long is that going to take? So I've got level three left to do. And amazing. my goal is to have it done within <laughs> the next month, oh my which God. is really intense, but I need to get it done. How long did it take from start to finish then? So I started level two quite a few months ago, but I haven't I haven't done it for like, okay. well, until two weeks ago, I hadn't done it for quite some time yeah. because other things took over. So that's why it's crunch time. Get it done Gotta quick. Get it done. What was the motivation to do it in the end? For me, I really wanted to level up my content and... I don't think it's right for me to show this is how you do this exercise if I'm yeah. not qualified. Yeah. And as an amputee as well, I know that there wasn't many people online helping other amputees figure out how to exercise. Mm. And that was something that was really hard for me yeah. before I had to teach myself. So I'm doing it, one, for better content, two, yeah. to help other amputees, and three, because I would love to just know more myself. Yeah. Is that the top level, level three then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, um, you've got the gym instructor course, which is level two. Yeah. Then PT's level three. Mm -hmm. Then you can do level four nutrition and go on to do more. But um, I'm just doing level two and level three for now. Amazing. So are you going to like take on clients? Is it that kind of vibe or? I don't think no. so. No. I think I'm too busy <laughs> like, to take no. on clients. But you never know, one yeah. day, yeah. if somebody came to me and they desperately really needed help, I know I'm a sucker to help people. Yeah. So if I could bring them on, I would. But that's not the goal or plan. No. It's just to level up your content. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. I remember when we were talking about that ages ago. I'm so happy you did that. Thank you. So talk to me. I want to talk to you about the first time you posted on socials. What was that like? So I guess there's two different parts of this. Yeah. Because the first time I posted on socials after losing my leg, yeah. I did it because I just thought I can't go from two legs to one here. I think people are going to notice something's a bit off. Okay. Because like my like close friends knew, but not yeah. the wider circle. So I just did a post briefly explaining and mm. I was shocked at the response. I didn't actually expect anyone to reply. Like I yeah. didn't even think about it. So that was like the first time I posted. Yeah. But then I shared my story for on and off for two years because people were curious about my yeah. physio journey. And then it was only <laughs> when TikTok, I downloaded it in lockdown. Mm. And the first video I uploaded to TikTok was actually an accident because... <laughs> Like I slipped and I accidentally posted a video. Well, I refused to download the app for so long because it was a kid's app. Yeah. And then my sister, she had it and she's older than me. So I thought if you've got really? it, I can get it. How much older is she? Four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I downloaded it and there was a flexibility challenge that was going on. And I'm not that flexible, but I can take my leg off. Yeah. So I just took my leg off and did that instead. So I accidentally uploaded it because I was just trying to save it so I could upload it to Instagram. Yeah. And yeah, I uploaded it by accident and it got 1.7 million views. No. When it was purely to put and on like Instagram. Like how long? Like, a, like what period of time did it do that? Oh, it was really quick. Because really? I kept going to mum like, oh my God, it's on this. But your phone was going ding, ding, yeah. ding. I think it was within a day. Wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> that was back in the day where you could post a TikTok and it could do that yeah. first time around. But then after that, I was chasing it. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that's the first Did one. Did you have any more like shortly after that that performed the same? Uh, I actually had the one straight after were like hundreds of thousands of views. Oh, wow. And I was like, it's not good enough. because. <laughs> I got that is typical of you. Like, yeah. I want it better than last time. But now I look back at that and I realise how good that actually was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had quite a lot that have been 1 million, 7 million, okay. 9 million. That's so amazing. you never planned to be a content creator then? No. It was just an accident. That's incredible. But after my accident, I knew that I was safe for a reason and I wanted to help people. Yeah. And I wanted to find that reason. Yeah. And I feel like it was just given to just me fate. Yeah. yeah and it was then that I realized that 
I cope really well with my accident and this is yeah. how I meant to help people by sharing my life and showing that life does go on. Yeah. So it was an accident, but I'm so glad it happened. <laughs> because prior to that, you were in marketing, right? Yes. How, how did that kind of, I guess, help the social media journey? Yeah, I think it helped massively. So I studied marketing at university. Yeah. Then I worked in total for two years at Chelsea Football Club in marketing. And I did partnership marketing and also fan engagement. Mm -hmm. And the whole process of, you know, planning a campaign and executing it is very similar to what I do now in my job. Yeah. Except I'm just doing it for myself. Yeah. And even with data analytics, I track every single thing that I post and analyze it. And I... I did that in my job at Chelsea. And if it wasn't for that, there is no I way I I remember the that. Excel sheets that yeah. I used to get sent. Yeah, I remember those. And I used to be like, she's got it. Yeah. I now do it on Notion. Oh, I mix it up. fancy. Yeah. Marketing's one thing. Content creation is a different thing. What was that learning curve like? I definitely think my content's got a lot better from when I started. <laughs> um, I've really enjoyed the whole process. Yeah. I think... It's cool the fact that I'm able to do every step in the process. Mm. And that's something that I just really enjoy. And I've liked learning video editing and things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure yeah. to post. Do you use a video editor? Do you have a... I have done. Yeah. Um, they're really expensive, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but I think on TikTok, people just prefer authentic content yeah. on your phone. Yeah. And it actually didn't do that well. So I thought, why am I paying when it's not even delivering the results that I would like, yeah. really. I think only YouTube, because you need high-value production, that works. Mm. It's interesting you say that, because we speak to a lot of our creators and they're trying to move, not move, but I guess add YouTube into their remit in terms of a platform. And their their biggest thing is just, oh my God, it takes so much longer to film and edit a YouTube video comparatively to a TikTok. And I don't want to say that YouTube's harder, but I just think that, the, the time you've got to put into it is so much more than short form content. Yeah. So have you jumped into shorts? So I need to do shorts. I need keep to saying do this to myself. Yeah. I, the thing is, I actually really like doing long form videos for YouTube and editing them. Yeah. It's just, unfortunately, the effort versus the reward is yeah. not worth it yeah. at the moment, even though I really enjoy it. Yeah. So I'm focusing on TikTok and Instagram, but I really should just upload onto YouTube at the yeah. same time. I'm just aware that you have to change the content slightly for each platform to make it fit. I yeah. don't want to just upload the same. The same stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just repurposing it. Yeah. When you first started posting content after your accident, did you have a plan of the type of content that you were going to post? Or was it just, I'll just post anything and see what works and what doesn't work? It was definitely, I'll post anything and see yeah. what works. The thing is, at the time when I thought, okay, I found my purpose and it's to help other amputees yeah. and showing my life as an amputee. It was definitely yeah. that direction. Mm. And I'm so glad that I've done that because it just helps people have more awareness around my disability. Yeah, massively. As well as find other people like me because I couldn't find anyone when I lost my leg. Yeah. So having that community and posting about it, I'm so glad that I did that. What was that like, like having those people reaching out to you and saying, you know, one, you're inspiring me to, how do you get through this? What was that response like for you? You saying that literally gives me goosebumps um, because it meant so much to me because yeah. what I didn't have, that's all I wanted. So knowing mm. that I'm that for other people yeah. and even those who aren't disabled amputees, it's people that have just gone through something tough and they came to me and I, I got quite emotional with some of them and I just was so grateful that they felt they could come to me. And yeah, it was definitely overwhelming, but I'm very, very happy that people have come to How me. How long after the accident did you start posting? So that was um, April 2020. And then I left my job at Chelsea in January 2021. Got you. So you'd been doing it for a good, you know, eight months? Yeah. There or thereabouts? It's just crazy to think. Yeah, that's I left quick. that quickly. So quick. But I was so stressed because I was training because I wanted to be in the Paralympics at the time. Yeah. And then working a job, which I did more than nine to five. Yeah. And then filming content every day. Yeah. Worked on the weekends. I was burnt what out. What was the, the tipping point then to go full time with it? I wanted to go full time with it from October. And okay. it was because I was burning out. 
And with the way that I am, I like to do a proper job and I didn't want to let Chelsea down. And I had physical impacts of the amount of stress that I had. Mm. And I was emotional. My parents said, we don't even see you. You know, you live here, it's lockdown and we don't see you. And it just got to a point where I I just thought, I can't do this. So Mm. I spoke to my parents and they said, you know, we want to support you and just give it two years. If it doesn't work, I'm sure you'll be able to get a marketing job somewhere. And it's admirable that you left to try and pursue something. So I did that. It's been two years and I'm not going back. (laughs) I was going to say, how did your parents take it when you were like, I'm quitting my full-time job that pays my bills to make videos? Yeah. Because every time we speak to creators, a lot of them are actually even younger than than you were then. Some of them are 18, 19, and maybe deciding not to go to university or dropping out of university to be a content creator. Did they even understand you could earn money from from this? Because most parents... I have no idea, right? <laughs> yeah. So they did doubt it initially. Yeah. And after that, they just said, we trust you. Yeah. You know your own mind. I lived at home, so that was helpful. Yeah. So it's not like I was having to pay rent or anything. Yeah. So at first they were skeptical and then they came around to it. And I think definitely what helped is people at Chelsea, there are some people that were still working there that I mm. went through my whole journey with being in hospital. And some of them spoke to me in gave me nice advice to Mm. go and capitalize on this opportunity that I have and really go for it. And so having that advice as well from somebody internally, Mm. unless they just wanted to get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure that's not true. (laughs) Having that advice, I think, helped my parents as well. Talk to me about sprinting. Sprinting. Because when I first met you, you were training for the Paralympics. How did you get into sprinting? Do you remember the first time that that you went and you ran? Yeah. What was that like? So the reason I wanted to get into sprinting is because when I first lost my leg, the first thing I said to my parents was, at least I could be in the Paralympics now. Because I was like, quick, quick, what could I not do before that I can do now? And that was the first thing that came to my head. So it was something to me that I just wanted to achieve because it was so pivotal in that moment. Yeah. And um, so I really set out to do that. And I used to do running before, but it was 800 meters. So I thought, you know, it's a new leg, new sport. Why don't I just mix it up? Yeah. And it took ages for me to be able to run after I got my running blade, purely mm. because I have an amazing coach. And she was like, you got to walk before you can run. And mm. I do a lot of training with her. And it was COVID, so you sometimes couldn't get onto the track. Yeah. So it was about six months until I could actually sprint. Wow. And then, um, was, yeah. Did it just feel the weirdest thing in the world? The first time you did it. Yeah. It even feels weird now, to be really? honest. Yeah. It's like you're running on bouncy marshmallows. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> really? And because you have different blades, right? Yeah. For different, oh, I'm going to sound so stupid, different distances? Yes. Or, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there we you're go. not stupid at all. I did listen to you. I did listen. <laughs> so one's for short distance and one's long distance. Got you, okay. Because the short distance, yeah. it's it propels me forwards and it's yeah. more a slant. It's kind of hard to explain without yeah. the blade here. Yeah. So it's bouncier okay. and I land further forward on it. Yeah. Whereas the um, long distance one, it's much more relaxed and okay. yeah, not as bouncy. So what's weird is when I go from <laughs> in one yeah. session, the short to the long distance, it's really hard to control yeah. because you're just not used to it, your brain. So it definitely uses different muscles and everything to try and... What distance was your main distance when you were running? Like 100 meters? I was wanting to do 100 meters, yeah. yeah. Okay. Are you still running? Are you still competing? So I do run, but more yeah. recreationally. Okay. And the reason I stopped is because I felt so much pressure. Yeah. It's actually really interesting because... I had so many people online saying, can't wait to see you in the Paralympics. And I never once announced on social media that that's something I was striving to do. It's just everybody just assumed. Assumed. Oh, you're a power athlete. You must be trying to the yeah. Olympics. And I mean, I guess correctly. <laughs> but yes. I just felt this overwhelming sense of pressure. Yeah. And it just made me fall out of love with it. Really? And I dreaded going to the, um, I dreaded going to the training. I didn't want to be there and it felt like a weight on my shoulders Hmm. and then it took a lot for me to admit that I'm done with this and when I told my coach she was so understanding and then I really enjoyed running again. Was it pressure from people online or or around you like friends family that kind of thing? Online online yeah and I also think as well things are picking up with social media that I couldn't give it a hundred percent 
And right. so that okay. was also a factor. But the one that affected me the most was the amount of times I'd see about the Paralympics. And I just, it just made me, ah. That's the, that's the thing I was speaking to Toby about earlier is the, there's the, the positive and the negative of what you get from being online. And I didn't think that the pressure of people being like, good luck, Millie, would then cause you that pressure. It's mental. So now you do it recreationally as a hobby. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever go back to competing? Or It's funny you say that because I got asked that yesterday. Really? Yeah. I don't think so. I think as well, my training, it was so particular. And so intense, right? So intense. Yeah. And I couldn't do so many other sports. And I like trying new things. I like having fun. I love fun. your series where you're trying different yeah. sports. To really be the best, right, in your industry, you've got to give it everything. And I guess you were wanting to do social media. You were wanting to do sprinting. You just can't really do both. Yeah, you can't. So once you finished or kind of, I guess, said, I'm not going to be a power athlete and threw yourself into social media... What was it you wanted to throw yourself into on social media? Do you know what? I don't think at that time it was anything in particular with social media. Hmm. I just knew I wanted to help more people yeah. and make a larger impact because the overwhelming thing with me after my accident is I just want to help as many people as I possibly can. Yeah. My mindset really shifted and I just really felt like I learned the value of life. That I just wanted to share that. Yeah. And so all my goals that I have... The only one that didn't actually align with that was me going to the Paralympics because I thought yeah. that's not helping, uh, that's not helping other people. Yeah, that's just something for myself that I don't know. So it just didn't align with me. So I got rid of that. But then, obviously, growing on social media. But then mm. I really want to write two books. Love to get into presenting. Yeah. Have my own business. Yeah, there's a lot of goals that I want to. Achieve. Got a lot of goals, Millie. That's one thing I do remember. <laughs> Lots of goals, which is a good thing. But like you say, it's hard to focus on. It's hard to focus on one goal, let alone having four or five. And especially yeah. when the sprinting is adding so much to your plate, just time-wise, must be really, really intense. In terms of what you're doing online now, and I, I call it what your purpose is online. Is it to raise awareness? Is it to educate? Is it a bit of both? I think it's to entertain and educate. Okay. Love that. Yeah. And it definitely was awareness at the start. Yeah. But... I've shared a lot about how my life is as an amputee. Yeah. And I feel like since I've grown, I want my audience to grow with me. Yeah. So I'm not just doing content about that anymore. And I'm doing things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. So on TikTok, I'm very much doing still amputee stuff. Yeah. Me just chatting rubbish, just be, me being me. And then like resilience, yeah. mindset, productivity, wellness. Yeah. Whereas Instagram's more of just a focus of resilience, wellness, and productivity. Talk to me about mindset. Because yes. one thing I think that you and I have in common is our mindset. Yes. And your where? name's Emilio and I'm Emilia. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, exactly. Um, but where, where does it come from? Like where, where does you, when you wake up in the morning, where does that positive mindset start for you? It's funny because people are really shocked at how positive I am. Yeah. And I get a lot of people asking, oh, you must have your down days. Yeah. And people that are really close to me, my family and my friends, when people ask them, they're like, no, she's genuinely is fine. <laughs> <laughs> and people just don't understand it. Yeah. And for me, I just think I know how lucky I am to be alive. Yeah. And I really just want to make the most of every day because being so close to death, you re do really realize how lucky you are. And I've always been very driven, but it increased tenfold after my accident because I just thought, I'm here, I'm saved. Let mm. me go make the rest of my life and help other people. So I think having that really drives me forward. Affirmations. Talk to me. <laughs> because this is the one thing that we don't have in common. And it's not because I don't agree with it. It's just I've never done it. Yeah. How does it work? What do you do? Teach me. I feel like affirmations a lot of people are skeptical about them because yeah, there when, is a lot of skeptical people yeah. that i speak to about it and i think that's maybe why i haven't done it yeah because if you say i am this person yeah. people think well i know i'm not so i just feel rubbish <laughs> and <laughs> completely defeats the point of doing an affirmation yeah. but for me it's more that they're daily reminders of who i want to be mm. and i my own way of doing it is I have an A4 sheet of paper and anything that I'm feeling insecure about or I want to get better within, mm. I write an affirmation about it in the present tense as I am. And then I read through it and I read every affirmation a minimum of five times, but I usually do it until I feel satisfied by it. 
I also make sure that I shout it and I give it a lot of energy because people, when they say, I don't feel this affirmation, it's yeah. because you don't feel it to be true. There's no emotion, energy going into it. And mm. if you were to put energy into it, mm. you'd then feel it, which then would then start to help it to come true. Yeah. So I put as much emotion as, in as I can. And I genuinely start to believe it. Yeah, you trick yourself. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And the more you say it, because obviously we have over 60,000 thoughts a day, Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And if you were to say it three times in the morning, you know, if you don't say it much, yeah. all your other thoughts in the day will get clouded and you're not going to resonate with that because you've just already forgotten about it. Yeah. So that's why I do it as much to get me satisfied from it. Got you. Okay. Do it in the morning and the evening. That's so interesting. And then throughout the day randomly in my car, mm. the best favorite time for me to do it is on a treadmill. And I look so focused and I'm just imagining and I'm just saying things and I try and visualize it as I say it. And the more I think it, the more I believe, the more you it. believe it. And then the more I'll start actioning them. I guess it's similar to, and this is more of a negative thing, but when people lie, they say that sometimes you start to believe your lies. And a few years later, you're not really sure if you like what the truth yeah. was, what the truth wasn't. And it's because you've tricked yourself into yeah. it. I don't do affirmations, and this might sound crazy, but something that I do is before I've set out to do something, for example, a podcast, yeah. I've told people I'm already doing it. Like I'll be like, yeah, I'm starting a podcast. And I haven't even like bought a mic. I haven't spoke to anybody because it, it, I guess it puts backs me into a corner to have to do it. So whenever I've got something that I want to achieve, I will tell friends, family, acquaintances. Yeah that I'm going to do something. And I guess it's kind of similar to what you're saying. You're tricking, you're basically forcing yourself to be that person who yeah. you want to be. Yeah. What about routine? You're big on routine. <laughs> I love routine. I love systems. Systems. Yeah. yeah. I like to create systems because the more you set everything up yeah. into a system, the yeah. easier it is to actually then do everything. Yeah. So I have week reviews, month reviews. I plan my days completely out. I love your yearly review. Yes. At the end review. of every year. Yeah. So you do that. So you have a monthly review, yearly review. A weekly review. Weekly review. Daily What's journal. in the weekly review? So I have questions that I just ask myself. What went yeah. well this month? What didn't? Did I do anything that I didn't want to spend my time on? Yeah. How can I improve? Just so I can really analyze how I felt, what I did yeah. to just optimize for the next month. And I also have my quarterly goals. So yeah. at the end of each month, I review if I'm on track to doing them. Yeah. So it's just an, an analysis of my life. But I do it all on Notion. And yeah. I have I track everything on Notion, all my workouts, yeah. just everything. And I like coming to the end of the year because then I can really see how much I've done. Yeah. Like even this year, I've started tracking obviously my fitness watch. Mm. I'm just going to calculate how many calories I burnt for the year because I, I track everything. Um, and you might think, how do I have the time? <laughs> no, I think that's the thing. And I, a lot of people who I speak to sometimes when they're asking me how I get through life, they don't have that direction or they don't have any direction. And then they go, I don't know how to give myself direction. It's like, start baby steps. Start setting yourself little goals, whether it's waking up early, whether it's you know setting a goal for this month in terms of you're going to go to the gym three times a week for this month. Just start baby steps. You don't have to figure everything out for your whole year. Yeah. And I think without that direction, it is really, really tough to to achieve anything, right? Yeah. Now you just take it to the extreme level. But... <laughs> I'm a weirdo, that's why. <laughs> no, but it, obviously, that? it obviously works. Yeah. Regarding routines in the morning, yeah. I find it's so much easier to get out of bed if you have a routine that you like doing. Yeah. Because then 100%. you're excited to get yeah. out of bed. And I love waking up really early before anyone else is awake because it makes me feel productive. See, this is why we're the same. <laughs> Everybody says this to me because I see your to-do list on yeah, your yeah. story and I see how early you wake up and that for me that quiet time no one's messaging me yeah. you know Sophia's not awake no. the team I know so, but the team <laughs> the team aren't messaging me that's bliss to me so to wake up early and have that time is, is a good thing yeah. to me and also it gets easier right it does like one the first few times suck but then your body naturally gets easier and guess what you go to bed earlier you're having the same amount of sleep as everybody else. Yeah. You just go to bed earlier. I also love just having a proper night routine. Mm. That's something that took a while for me to get to. I don't to. have that yet. It's hard. Yeah. What do, you, what do you do? I used to have a massive list of things I'd want to do, like stretch, journal, affirmations, yeah. read. Now it's just read. Yes. Because I want to read 12 books minimum this year. And reading 
put you in the nice mindset yeah. to go to sleep. I try and put my phone on the other side of the room. Love yeah. that. Because if I getting don't, away I from getting your, out of bed. Yeah, getting away from your phone. I'm trying to turn mine off at 9 p.m. Yeah. every night or at least put it on Do Not Disturb. Spend some time with Amy. What suits? Oh, We're nice. into suits at the moment. That's So that's a key thing for me because if not, I can lie there for a good two or three hours and I'm like, shit. It's 1 a.m. scrolling. Yeah. But it is, I tell myself it's work, <laughs> which it kind of is, but it's not It's not good for me, for sure. I do that. I'm, I'm researching. Yeah, it's, it's the same. When I was younger, I used to like watch rugby and I'd tell my mum, I'm revising for PE, just relax. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. Talk, talk to me about, so we talked about obviously the positive side of social media. Talk to me about the negative side of social media and your mindset around the negativity that you received. I mean, one, have you received negativity online? Not really. No. No. I I think the only person was a lady called Karen, which is quite funny. <laughs> was she actually called Karen? <laughs> Her name was Karen. Oh, my God. Which made it even better. Yeah. And she commented on my YouTube saying, you're just milking the cash cow. <laughs> and I found it hilarious did you reply did you um do you know what bless my followers a load of them replied on my behalf love that love that but yeah apart from that i actually haven't received much hate at all no if any i get sometimes amputees saying it's not fair how you have so many legs because it's hard to get legs on the nhs right because Got i partnered you. with ossa yeah i'm really grateful yeah i get legs but apart from that i don't what would your advice be for the people online who do get that hate i think what matters is your mindset. Yeah. If you strongly believe in yourself, know who you are, yeah. it wouldn't affect you as much yeah. because so true. You know, you're you know who you are and it doesn't matter, these people don't know you. Mm. Whereas if you don't have that, it's mm. so easy to get knocked back. On the other hand, if somebody's saying something to you repeatedly about your appearance, I imagine that's hard and you start to believe it. Mm. But these people don't know you, and the thing is, they're the ones probably having the issues just being an online hater. So yeah, I, I guess it's hard for me to say because I haven't experienced it, but yeah. I do think your mindset towards these things is so powerful. It's so, it's so true what you're saying. I was I was speaking to Amy about this the other day, and I think that if you truly are doing everything in your power to achieve what you're wanting to achieve, if you're working as hard as you can, you're working as smart as you can, and someone gives you hate or abuse or questions you, you have the, com the innate confidence yeah. to be like, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm working hard. I know that I'm doing good, that, that I'm trying to share my story in your case. So then you can look at that kind of comment and be like, "Yeah, it's on you. I guess as well, you can block certain words, right? Yes, in your comments. you can. So that could be a good tactic. Have you blocked certain words? Um, I don't think so, no. no. I was talking about that earlier with one of our team, that it's not really a fix in terms of, um, platforms putting in new tools to block the hate because that's not fixing the problem you're just stopping people from the ability to commit that action yeah you actually have to boil down to why are these people making these comments like what's going on in their life can you help them because the nine times out of ten um for example we did a documentary last year about hate online with Caitlin and Leah yeah. and they were saying that well, we interviewed a few people and we actually got to interview a hater and they, were, so and they were saying the reason why they, they commented is because they were basically, and this might sound a bit weird, but they were talking to themselves. Oh. So they were projecting. So they were saying things like horrible things, but it was like they were saying it to themselves as a way to say it to themselves. And now if they look back, they would never do that again. So you need to kind of look at the person and go, why are they doing this? Before you start looking at yourself self going, oh God, yes, what they're saying is what I actually am. Yeah. Yeah. I guess because when somebody's really struggling, they just want to get that feeling yeah. out. Yeah. So then they just say it to whatever to try and yeah. make it tangible to get it out. Exactly. That I'd never, ever thought of it like that before. But that makes a lot of sense. Complete projection yeah. onto somebody else that isn't going to know who you are. It's probably never going to respond to you. You might not even see your comment because they've got so many followers. I'm just going to say what I want about myself to you because you remind me of me. Yeah. And then I'll get it off my chest. I always say this, and you were actually one of my examples of, of positive, I guess, results of people being online. Not just the the following you made, but the fact that you've like made friends with people that you never would have made friends with, like Monica. Yeah. You never would have met. Yeah. That to me is one of the best things about social media. It's helping the people, you being the person you would have always wanted to see online is amazing to me. But having an eye opener 
to the negativity online. And I don't, I never want to focus on the negativity online, but not enough is done to protect audiences online because realistically it's them that are using it. Yeah. So it, yeah, it was incredibly eye-opening. I like what Elon Musk is doing with Twitter though. Yes. With you have to, you have to pay, I think it's nine pounds or something. Yeah. And you get your account verified. Yes. And you, you, if people are going to give hate. There's backlash to it from really the celebrities who don't want to pay, which is crazy, pay nine pounds to, to do it, <laughs> which you're like, you can afford that, Brad Pitt, chill out. But <laughs> it, it, from a safety point of view, it makes sense. That, that's the number one fix. Make people give their ID when they sign up to an account. Yeah. It's so simple. It's like you, paying, yeah. You would never get, and you wouldn't, well, you would get hate, but you wouldn't get anywhere near the hate that you get now if you just had to register who you actually are yeah. when you sign up. It makes so much so sense. Simple. And for anything else in life, you would pay £9 to use it. Netflix, yeah. Amazon Prime. But for Instagram, TikTok, you don't want to pay for it. <laughs> it makes no sense. And then people complain when there's ads. And you're like, yeah. how do you think that, one, the people on there are paying for their content? And two, how do you think that, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram are funding their platform? Yeah. It's crazy. It is mental. Talk to me about coaching. Yes. When did you decide that you wanted to become a coach and what's that journey just been like? So I have wanted to do this for a long time. And then I did Rob Dahl's coaching course, but it doesn't give you a qualification. So even though I've done one, I still really want a qualification. Right. So I'm doing another one. And what would the qualification be in? Um, so I'm doing another one that will actually give me a certificate, okay. which is life coach. Got you. Okay. But I really want to be a resilience coach. Love that. So I'm yet to figure out how I can be a resilience one okay. because the whole coaching industry is still mm. very new. Yeah. And so there isn't one legitimate board. Mm. There's like a few and I've mm. spoken to other coaches and they recommended the one that I'm going to do, which looks really good. Mm. But yeah, so I did the first one last year mm -hmm. around this time and it was really intense but I loved it and then I really wanted to do one-to-one -one coaching initially because I just wanted to help give value and impact to people more yeah but I found that I really didn't have enough time <laughs> which I was gutted about did you have too many things that you wanted to do yeah I just <laughs> had too much on and I thought you know I've done the course yeah I've tried yeah. and I've learned that I'm not going to do one-to-one -one coaching and mm. that was a good process for me to go through. I had to do it to find out. Mm. But doing the other course that's coming up yeah. is one, for my knowledge, mm. two, so I could potentially do group coaching because okay. I think that's a better idea. Yeah. And so I can just level up my content. And when you have done the one-on-one -on -one coaching, what's the feeling been like helping somebody one-on-one? -on -one? Really, really good. Yeah. You also take on a lot of emotions and mm. it's important that you you don't get emotionally yes. attached and that's hard yeah because you you buy into people. that people yeah exactly yeah and yeah that's tough you have to be aware of those energies that you're taking on i guess it's hard to switch off yeah because you're constantly thinking about oh so and so is going through this i wish i could help right now yeah. kind of thing or even like young girls that are struggling with things mm. you know what when you were doing the coaching, what would you tell them about being resilient? Like, what were your tips? So there were some people that were really scared to show off their body. If they were out mm. in public, they'd think somebody's looking at me, judging me. Yeah. And they were so afraid to show themselves. And the more you show yourself and you show up, you realize those fears go away. Yeah. And it's so important that you just fight through those fears because if you just stay in your comfort zone, you will never be able to fight past them. Yeah. And Fears, it's a weird one because fears keep us safe at the end of the day because you're just staying in your comfort zone. Yeah. And to fight that fear, that's when you have to face them. Yeah. So I essentially said, you need to face those fears. You need to wear what you want to wear, not cover up because of other people. Yeah. And when somebody's looking at you, you have to choose your perspective. You can either pick the suffering state or mm. the beautiful state. And the suffering state is somebody's looking at me. I look so awful. Whereas you're giving your brain that information. Mm. Whereas you, on the flip side of that, you create your own narrative. You mm. can tell your brain that 
you know, they look at me because I look yeah. really cool. Yeah. And you have a choice. And whatever question you give your brain, you can find the answer. So if you think, why is that person staring at me? Yes. And you think negative ones, you can always think of the other side. So it's just opening up their mind to realize that their brain, what they hear, isn't mm. necessarily the whole truth. And you can look at your thoughts and acknowledge if they're truth or a lie. So It's so funny you say that because my sister-in-law, very into mindfulness mental health mindset and we were talking when we were on holiday last about how you can choose how you feel you can direct your feelings in certain directions and I was like what are you on about like I'm mad I'm happy that's how I am and she was like no you can wake up tomorrow and be mad but decide to have a happy day yeah and when she did tell me that it has kind of changed the way in which I do deal with things yeah so if I have a bad day at work or I argue with Amy or something I do think back to that now and go I can choose to be mad here or I can change my mind and go in a different direction and choose to be happy and I guess from a confidence point of view you can choose to think that people are looking at you or you can choose to think they're not looking at me I'm good I'm confident I'm happy yeah it's you aren't your emotions and I like to view it as there's this little person talking to me in my brain and I'm on the outside and I look in to see if what that person's saying, if I believe it to be true or not. And don't get me wrong, there's obviously some times where that can take over your emotions and you act in a certain way, but it's about having that awareness to realize that, hang on a minute, that's not who you are. And doing that repeatedly over time, that's when you start to realize and you're much better and quicker at acknowledging that you aren't your emotions. You said earlier, you're never really in that bad a mood. Your friends, your family never say you're in a bad mood. But you must go through times where life is tough. Maybe you're not achieving what you want to achieve as quickly. Maybe you've had an argument with a friend. Maybe, you know, your social media is not going the way you wanted it to. Maybe the content you're creating is just not where it wants to be. And you do need to stay resilient. What are your biggest lessons and what do you tell yourself to remain resilient when, you know, you might even just be overworked? Yeah, I think... I'm the queen of getting burnt out. <laughs> I can definitely say that. Yeah. And the only time I'm moody is when I'm tired. Yeah. So I really just try to listen to my mind and my body. Okay. Your body signals to things quicker than your mind can yeah. pick them up. So that's something I've really tried to mm. tune in with. And I just don't let myself burn out. And I really just focus on things that I can do. And I do it moderately because it could be too much. If I'm struggling with something, if I'm struggling to get up and I can really feel that I'm burnt out, mm. I'm just easier on myself. Mm. I find that I can be really harsh on myself mm. because I'm always wanting to do the next thing. Yeah. And I, I really try my best to try and reflect because I can get carried away on where I want to go rather than mm. where I am right now. So I just try and take a step back and I try and be present and, you know a lot of self-love I think it's so easy to be like I do self-love when you do yeah. affirmations in your journaling yeah. whereas I feel like self-love is so much deeper than that yeah. and it's it's self-love is not easy you know I've been through therapy I even last year mm. whenever I feel like I need help I will reach out yeah and that's not something I've even shared online yeah but um and it wasn't that I was struggling it was that I've been very personal here, but I got a therapy. I got therapy because I really, I was struggling to understand my own mind yeah. between the voice and then not the voice. And I couldn't figure out if I was going crazy <laughs> or if, like, I just didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So I got a therapist. I'm very proactive to try and help me figure it out because yeah. I couldn't do it on my own that time. Mm. And as someone who is really resilient, yeah. it's important to know that you can reach out to other people too. What you said about, self-love then not being easy resonates with me so much because I think that self-love has been made into this thing like tell yourself you're amazing constantly to me self-love is tough love tell yourself when you're doing something wrong maybe you're not working hard enough or you're focusing on the wrong thing the negative in your life and to actually love yourself and to have self-love is to work on yourself and make yourself better yeah. And I think too often it's just tell yourself you're amazing all the time. And that's not self-love. That's no. lying to yourself. Like nobody, <laughs> Nobody's amazing every day. Yeah. Like you go through days where you are amazing and you're great at your job, your friendships, your family. But then you go through days where you're 
pretty crap friend. Yeah. And I feel like you need to make sure that you're focusing on improving yourself instead of just telling yourself that you're amazing. Yeah. But it's funny you should say that about opening up and having therapy. It's not that I never wanted therapy. I just never got it. It just wasn't. I was like, if I want to talk to somebody, I'll talk to my wife. I'll talk to a friend. But they're not trained <laughs> to yeah. talk to somebody about their mental health. So I went to a therapist. Yeah. And I went to two sessions. And my stupid brain was like, I'll go in. I'll tell you my issues. And you'll tell me the solution. And then we'll be good. And I went in and told this therapist my issues and she repeated it back to me and just said <laughs> and go and think on that and I was like I'm done I'm out unless you're gonna my brain's like unless you're gonna tell me the answer I'm just, I'm just wasting my time yeah but I feel like I need to go back just to to get more out of it and f figure out what this really is for because for me at that time I, I was very like process driven whereas now I want to figure out how I can make my my brain stronger really yeah I have so many things to say on that <laughs> because when I first, the first time I ever had therapy, I had three different therapists and that was after my accident. Yeah. And even though I coped really fine and I was well, I just thought in the future, I want to look after myself just in case I won't be okay. And each one of them, I thought I'm out just like you did. Yeah. They'd be like, but how do you feel about that? Yeah. I just told you yeah. how I feel yeah. about that. Tell so me, why are you asking me again? Tell me how to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> And obviously I'm the same like you. Yeah. I want a solution. Yeah. So I just thought this is rubbish. And then my friend recommended her therapist. Yeah. And that's the person I had last year. And I think it's so important to find somebody that just gels with you yeah. and you work well with. Yeah. But with coaching in general, mm. they, they can never give you the answer. Mm. And that's why they have to ask, ask you the question mm. to bring it out of yourself. Because unless... If it came from them and it didn't come from you, you don't take it on board. That's, so they just, yeah. the, it's the way they word the questions to make you have that light bulb moment. Yeah. And you've just got to find the right person. That's what I've been told is you've, you've kind of got to kiss a few frogs. Yeah. Like you've got to go around, you've got to test who, just have that relationship. I guess it's like anything that's very personal in life. You're not going to meet the person that you're going to share your feelings with and your thoughts and it's going to gel immediately. Yeah. So I guess I just need to, test a few more therapists but also I loved my therapist yeah if I could pay for her all the time I absolutely would yeah because how I view it is mm. she is my guide in life that yes. is so intelligent yeah she just helped me navigate and there's even mm. things that I think about now that resonate and I think of her and it helps me make my decisions and processes and things I do in life that's the thing though with with therapy is the expense of it and the accessibility for it. Like I have friends and even family members who are on huge wait lists on the NHS to get therapy. And it's, you know, one of the biggest issues for the NHS right now. And I know there's funding issues all over the place, but we can't have this mental health revolution and just nobody have access to it. Because yeah. only, it's true, it's, like, it's, so, it's so true. Only the rich can afford it. And if you had more accessibility to it, I think people would be more open to it. Because right now it's only the select few people in the world who can get it, especially yeah. in the UK. Yeah, it's so expensive. It's ridiculous. But yeah. then I guess the older generation, they say, we didn't have that. Yeah. So why do you need that? Yeah. We just had to get on with it. And it's mm. interesting because sometimes if I'm worrying about something, my mum, mm. she's she's very to the point. <laughs> she's like, Millie, get a grip. Yes. Come on. Da -da. Yeah, and no chin joke. Up. Yeah, yeah. The amount of time she's done that, I thought, you know what? Yeah, you're right. And I instantly felt better. So it's a weird one because it's therapy makes you dig deep and it's it makes you feel like rubbish. Yes. But then is it always necessary? I don't well, know. Well, no, but that's that's what I was saying earlier is on the one hand, I think it's been amazing that people are talking about the mental health more. But I also do think sometimes we run to it too quickly when you you can kind of, you know, chin up, you know, get on with it. And if you actually did, nine times out of 10, I'm stressed because I haven't done what I should have been doing. And if I just write a list, I see what's a priority and what's not a priority. I tick off the priorities. I feel so much better. Like on a Sunday evening, if I plan my week. I go into the week chill. I know you do that. <laughs> I go into the week chill. Yeah. If I don't do it, I wake up on Monday and I'm on the train like furiously trying to figure out my week. And 
before I plan my week on a Sunday, the half an hour before I know I've got to go do it, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do this. But it's like when you, you know, before you go into the gym, yeah, nine times out of 10, you don't want to go into the gym. But once you come out of the gym, you just feel so much better. And it's that planning ahead that's so important. So true, actually. I've never thought of it like that, where it's, you normally have a plan as well to go into the gym. Yeah. And you, when you're there on the spot and you have to just do it, you're, you're like, oh, and it's yeah. not as, you know, it's not as a good session. It's mind over matter. Yeah. We, um, have you ever been in the gym and you've put on the wrong weight, which was heavier than it than you thought it was, and you've done it <laughs> because yeah. because you've tri- you didn't realize you thought, oh, this is the weight that I usually deadlift. Yeah. Next minute, you're deadlifting another twenty kilos <laughs> over what you should have done, and then you look down, you're like, oh my god, I went on a. I went on a run the other day because one of my best friends is running a marathon and I'm very competitive and I want to try and beat him. <laughs> um, but I went on a run the other day and because that was my New Year's resolution, run more because I've never been a runner. Yeah. I hate every second of it. Um, and I got lost on this run around my house. I was only supposed to go on a 10K. I ended up doing a half marathon. No, you didn't. I've never, I've never, yeah. I've, <laughs> and I've, I've never ran that far in my life. And in my head, if I'd said that morning, I'm going to go on half marathon, I know halfway around I'd have stopped. But just because I got lost and I was like, well, I've got to get home now. Yeah. I just, I ended up running a half marathon. And that's the thing where I think that sometimes if you just revert to, I can't do this. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Because you haven't given it a go. And I feel like a lot of people, listen, with technology and emails and remote working, it's quite intense right now, work-wise, for, for people. But if you actually set yourself plans and prioritize things, you can de-stress yourself so easily. 100%. It really does help. Yeah. Whenever I'm stressed, it's because I haven't written my list and yeah. sorted it out in the right order. And yesterday, I planned the next week and a half, everything I need to do. Yeah. Oh, my God, I felt great. Yeah. I felt invincible. Because it's usually not as much as you thought you had yeah. to do. It's actually like, actually, I don't need to do that this week. I can push that to next week. Yeah. But in your head, you're like, I've got all these things to do this week. It's like, really? I had w- one of my friends um, once, I kind of like went up to him before I saw a therapist. And I was like, I'm so stressed, mate. I, I need help. We'd had a few beers. And he just went, why are you stressed? And I was like, well, I've got this to do. I want to do this. I've not done this. He was like, and I've got to do it all next week. He was like, what would happen if you didn't do it next week? I was like, well, not a lot really. I'd just do it the week after. And he was like, well, what are you stressed about then? And that's the thing. So much in our life isn't life and death. Yeah. As long as you're healthy, your family's healthy, you know, you can pay your bills which I understand right now in a cost of living crisis is a very stressful thing. But as long as you can kind of get by, you can get through it. But I think you get so overwhelmed with, I want to get a better job. I want to have a better work-life balance. My boss is a dick. Do you know what I mean? Hopefully not me, but, um, (laughs) and you get so overwhelmed by that. In my mind, one of the other things that stresses me out so much is I do want to achieve so many things. We're very similar. So how, <laughs> so how do you prioritize the things you want to achieve? So I get stressed out really easily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just quickly on what you just said, yeah. I try and think back to my accident because mm. I just felt this internal buildup within my body if I've got so much to do. Yeah. And it's like, I just want to get it done. That's the only way that will help me feel better. Yeah. And so I just try and think about what I've been through and realize yeah. what I'm doing right now, not that deep. Yeah. yeah. Like, stop worrying about it. Yeah. Um, and like having... this brand's being a nightmare. It's not really that, that big a deal. Is anyone going to die? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with the amount that I want to achieve, it's, I won't be able to achieve all of it if I do it all at the same time. Yeah. So I created a plan of trying to figure out what order I do them in. Mm. And so there's like a logical order for each of them. Right. And at the moment, it's posting on socials, doing public speaking, mm. and <laughs> I'm really off loads still, doing my PT and life coaching course. Just those four things. Just those four, yeah. light work. <laughs> um, but I just see social media is the main one I constantly do. Yeah. Then it's PT right now, and then life coach with the public speaking in the background. Yeah. Even though I do it a lot. <laughs> I do it a lot. I see it a lot. I guess like what what is the motivation behind the public speaking side of things? Because it is similar to the coaching and the social media, but public speaking takes most people out of their comfort zone straight. I think a lot of people say 
it's their number one fear over death. No way. Yeah, I think it, I think I, I don't know. I might completely completely wrong here, but I'm pretty sure it's been voted the worst fear for most people. That is mental. Yeah. See, I didn't ever do it as a child. I'd always avoid it. Yeah. A lot. Same. And then one time I was forced and then I forgot my words and I was I was frozen for like five minutes. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it ever again. Yeah. And then I think I just grew up a bit and I really wish I could tell you what made me want to do it. Mm. I don't know. I just really wanted to. Mm. And when I'm doing it, I just act like nobody's in the audience and I'm just yeah. myself chatting to a friend. And mm. that helps me stay really natural and calm. Yeah. Sometimes I do feel a bit nervous if I get in my head too much. Yeah. But I just think these people in the room are just people. No yeah. matter where they work, what they do, we're all human. Yeah. And that really helps me fight that brain. I guess they're there as well. They're there to listen to you. Yeah. They're not there to judge you. They're not there to make fun of you. They're there to get some, hopefully some rich knowledge out yeah. of you. So there is really nothing to be nervous about. Yeah. I had a, um, I don't hate public speaking, but I, you know, I wouldn't choose to do it every day. Yeah. And I did my wedding speech and I was more bothered about my vows than my wedding speech. Ah. And I, cause I wanted to get them right. And I'd, and I'd written them and we wrote our own vows. And I was stood at the front doing these vows to Amy and my legs started shaking. <laughs> I was, I was fine, like mentally fine, physically fine. All went to my leg and it was shaking. I guess because your body signals my body before your mind, right? Before my mind, just like you were saying. And all I hear is my mum in the front row going, oh, look at his leg. <laughs> and I was like, Ugh. it was horrible. Thanks for that, mum. I was like, thanks, mum. That's exactly what I wanted to hear right now. <laughs> Regarding public speaking, one thing that I really like is that I can actually see people's faces. Mm. I'm so used to just talking to myself on a camera that when I see people's reactions to things and they're laughing, smiling, yeah. it's actually really heartwarming because I don't yeah. see that often. That's so true. Yeah, you just I, see people typing to you, yeah. but you don't really interact with them. I was, was going to ask you that with the coaching because that's one situation where you actually do, like I know you're helping loads of people online, but bar a few messages back and forth, you don't actually get that physical interaction. So do you get that from the coaching as well? I think it's different with coaching yeah. because I'm... I can't give them too much information. It's mm. me having to get the questions out and mm. then getting it from themselves. Yeah. And also me giving like techniques and things like that. Yeah. Whereas, so it's more catered to them. Whereas public speaking, it's more catered to me and the value that I want to give and how I want the audience to feel and yeah. the impact on them. So it's, yeah. even though I'm working with people, seeing people, it's very different approaches. Yeah. The future. <laughs> while, while you're pla I know you must have a million plans, but... In an overarching nutshell, yes. what are the plans for you in the coming coming years? In a nutshell, I want to make my impact and yeah. really help people as much as I can. Yeah. I want to do that on social media through public speaking. I'd love to do a TED Talk. Yeah. And I want to create my business, which I had a few ideas, but I've narrowed it down. Okay. And I'm not going to we share that to No, okay. I'll ask you after. <laughs> but... That will help a lot of people yeah. with their mind, body, soul. So that's the direction I want to go in. Amazing. So fingers crossed. I'll Not do too it. many goals then, just the <laughs> just the four. I was gonna ask, or I am asking this to everybody who comes on. It's kind of like a takeaway. What is your one main tip for having a positive mental attitude? I love this question. If you have the self-belief and, and you put the effort in, you can achieve anything. Yeah. Self-belief and effort go hand in hand. Mm. And to have stronger self-belief, you need to have effort. Mm. Because the more you do something, the yeah. more you believe in yourself. 100%. So effort, self-belief, do anything. I love that. Millie, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>